This is the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast, and I am Mike Riccio, longtime personal trainer, professional strength coach, gym owner, and most importantly, a devoted modern father and husband. I've been fortunate to learn under some of the most intelligent minds in health and fitness over the past 15 years, as well as work with amazing clients and athletes. What I've most fallen in love with over the years is the power we have over our lives, the power to decrease risk of disease and injury, the power to reach our true potential, the deep abilities the body is capable of when all aspects of health are working simultaneously. On this podcast, you will learn the importance of preventative health and how to optimize your habits to optimize your life. All right, listeners, another week, another great episode. Today, you are going to hear from Dana. Dana is a self-defense expert focusing mostly on the female population, though her tactics work for anybody. And I thought she would be a great addition to this podcast because not only is she doing what she loves, which is a message for all of us, but she is doing it after realizing what she thought was going to be her career wasn't. So Dana made a change from what was a very, very good career and she did it and she took some risks, but in the end she followed her passion and she's gonna talk about that today and what it has done for her and how happy she is now and how she is spending every day working hard, but working happy. And then on top of that, we're gonna talk about what she does specifically, which is self-defense. Dana has just created this amazing uh, series of videos, uh, which my, my wife and my daughter and I are gonna to do together. But they are focused on self-defense in general, but also such specific things. How to get into your car, how to look around your car. And she's gonna go into specific examples today. And then I highly recommend you checking out her social media and her videos because her content is amazing and it could also be life-saving. Dana is just a fantastic person. She is happy, she is motivating. She is one of those people that you could just talk to all day long about anything. And her experience is going to help every listener out there, no matter which specific topic you are listening to her for. So please let me know what you think. Rate and review the episode afterward and listen and enjoy. Dana, thank you so much for being on today. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. I, uh, I, I'm looking forward to this episode. There's a lot of cool stuff we're going to get to. But before we get to it, maybe give the listeners a little background on yourself and what you do, where you came from. Sounds good. So my original career and passion stem from being passionate about animals from the time that I was little and knowing that I wanted to be a veterinarian, basically, from you know, from as long as I can remember and did that, did the whole veterinary thing up at UC Davis, um, college, undergrad, undergrad and vet school there. And, um, animals will, are always a, will be my first passion. Um, I believe, but just started getting, I just wasn't, I just wasn't satisfied going to the job every day anymore. And I had along the way gone on my first safari um, in South Africa. That was a dream of mine for a long time. And when we were in Johannesburg, they it was it was a group. It was actually a veterinary continuing education conference kind of safari too. So education and playtime built into one. And when <laughs> when we were in Johannesburg. They, they were like, it's very dangerous here. You know, don't separate from the group, you know, just make sure, you know, watch out. And I was like, it just got me thinking like, huh, like I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a small person. And I was like, what, what would I do if something happened? You know, I, I didn't know what, what, what I would do. So when I got back, I started looking into self-defense type things and tried a few different places out. And the one that stuck with me, that was, that was true self-defense was a Croft Maga studio. So trained there for a few years, then just kind of wanted a change of pace and found the mixed martial arts gym that I still work out of. And also along the way had started training with a personal trainer out of the mixed martial arts gym that I was at, got a personal training certification just for fun because I'm a little nerdy like that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is a cool review on how muscles work and all that from, from vet school. And, but I wasn't really using it. And 
was still, you know, had the dissatisfaction with going to the veterinary job every day. I've gotten a little bit worse as, as much as I love animals. Just that there was just a lot of things. Um, also ended up in physical therapy and that, that physical therapist helped change my life. He was also a life coach. And I talked with him about, you know, after I'd been in physical therapy for a little bit, talked with him about like, I want some life coaching in the area of career. And he was very instrumental in helping me form a self-defense class at the mixed martial arts gym that I'm still at. And then that kind of turned into doing privates, personal training, and, and then my career switched, you know, over a few years from personal training on the side, but still primary veterinarian to half and half to now veterinarian-ing. I like making that a verb. <laughs> I like yeah. making up words. Yeah. Veterinarian-ing on yeah. the side yeah. and <laughs> primarily uh, personal training, self-defense, mixed martial arts instruction. My wife makes fun of me because I, I say once I say something, it, be, it it's official. It becomes a word. <laughs> and my and my and her and her side of the family are are very much um I mean in the in the education side. So that is a very no no for them. So I, I'm not allowed to use any misgrammar of any kind. But I make up my own words all the time. Okay, well feel um, free to do so here. I won't. <laughs> yeah, good, yeah. On this podcast, English language goes out the window. We do whatever we want. <laughs> Uh, something that just occurred to me when you're telling your story about, you know, maybe where some of the self-defense for you personally came in. I, I guess we didn't get to that in our pre-talk about the link between your veterinary career and how that actually sparks some of the self-defense. And I'm reminded there was a video that we just, that the world just saw last week. It was, I don't know if you saw this. It was the woman with the crocodile who got her hand. She was doing a tour. So there was kids, families all inside and mm -hmm. the crocodile got a hold of her hand mm. and she got, and she went into the tank, but yeah, it ended up being okay, but being okay because two bystanders had to jump in and, and help and restrain the crocodile. It was a whole, if you haven't seen that, it's an incredible video, well, but, what's, no. but, but what's interesting in the, in the link part, the point of this, she's talked about how she knew, she said, well, once the crocodile had me, I knew if I would have stayed outside the tank, I would have lost my arm. So, so my odds of survival went up by going into the tank and then knowing what the crocodile was going to do. I knew it was going to roll. So I had to be ready to roll with it. So the more she kind of, and she did jerk it on, she tuck and rolled and she went with the, you know, again, I forget it was alligator or crocodile. So forgive me to the animal experts, but right. it was, a, but it was just, I guess, an example of maybe uh, of what we're going to go into in some ways about when you know a situation, you know, the odds and you know what you're up against a little bit and helps you to make these decisions, even when it's, about survival and it's split second. And it was those decisions, even though she got help eventually, it was still those decisions that probably initially at the very least right. saved, saved her from losing a limb. Right. It was just an incredible wow. story. Wow. I'll have to go search that out. That's, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. It, very much so. So the fact that that was kind of on your mind about, you know, you were in danger and that that could have been, that could have come into fruition that you might've needed some type of defense, even against the animal world. I guess it's just very interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so before we keep going down the self-defense line, I want to talk about that career transition mm -hmm. that you did, because that's, it, it, it's such a stress point for people. I think very, people feel very stuck in the careers they're in yet. Many yes. do exactly what you did where they start to question and realize they're not happy, but instead of pursuing whatever it might be, even if it's, yeah, whatever the, the change might be, most people probably say, you know what, I've come too far. I'm in what I'm in. This is it. I'm just going to make peace with it. Was, yes. was it a, was that a question for you? Was it a challenge for you to start making that change? Yeah. Um, I mean, hundred percent, but you're spot on with what you say. It's, it's very sad. I, I talked to a fair amount of colleagues and they, they describe exactly what you say. They feel very stuck. They're like, I went to all this school and a lot of them are in a ton of debt. And they, they're like, I cannot make a living with anything else. Like, like this, like, so, so yes, they feel very stuck. And yes, it was, it was, you know, it was a scary thing, but thinking back, what was scarier to me was not liking going into work every single day, that feeling of, and I'm, and you know, I certainly 
don't want to bash the career by any, by, by any means, you know, it just, it wasn't for me anymore in that regard. So that was a looking down, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm still young looking down (laughs) 30 plus years in the future and feeling that feeling that I had been feeling for so long, like I have to get up, I have to go to work today. I'm like, I can't do that for, you know, whatever, 30, 40 more years. Like I just can't. Yes. I put a lot of time and effort. That's all I ever wanted to do and be. And by no means do I regret my path. Like I love, I love my path. I love that I have the medical background because I can apply it, you know, to, to people. Obviously I don't try to be a doctor or anything, but, but I can take what I've learned in the four-legged animal and (laughs) apply it to the two-legged animal. And I also, I'll, I'll research things. So yeah, it was, it was, it was very scary, but what was scarier for me was staying in a situation that I, that I didn't want to be in, you know, every day or whatever, you know, five days out of the week, we spend so much time at work. And I, I love now that I enjoy going to work and is it still hard? Do I still have challenges all the time learning how to be my own business, (laughs) business person? That's, that's, that's challenging for me and I'm still learning and I still have a lot to learn, but I'm, I'm just, I'm so grateful that I was able to transition and that I love doing what I do. I love going in every day and I still, I have big dreams to donate a lot of time to, um, with wildlife. I did do some wildlife work and I believe wildlife needs our help. So that's definitely on my list of things to do. Cool. Uh, Well, it's an important delineation you just made too, between not being happy with what you're doing and not wanting the work, right? It's just because you're happy with what you do doesn't mean it's easy. It's still very difficult. There's still a ton of work to do. Right. It's about it's about finding some more level of enjoyment amongst that work and where you spend your day. Right. Right. Cause, yeah. Because if anything, it's probably easier sometimes for people to stay. To stay. Oh, yeah. Uh, sure. uh, yeah. You know, if it, I, yeah, it's, and maybe that's why they stay too. Well, it'd be so right. much work for me to transition. It might take a lot of money for me to transition, whatever it might be. Right. Right. But in the end, it, it's worth it. So, and obviously, right. you've you've now found something you are not only passionate about but very good at. Yeah. Going back to the money, the money part, you know, a, a reality also too, like I, I lost a lot of money. You know, I, the, the transition was, you know, was going from a certain income to starting, you know, and yes, it was transitioning where I was still doing some vet stuff, and, but really going, okay, I'm going to fully switch um, and, and be committed. You know, you have to you have to build clientele. You have to find clients. You have to keep finding clients. You have to, you know, give a good product so that, so that people want to keep working with you. So there's that, that's a very, you know, that's a very realistic part of it too. And building a business that, you know, you don't just go to, <laughs> to yeah. a huge successful business overnight. It, ta- it takes time. I'm still very much building it, but yeah. excited for the future. And you've linked on with you know, pre- a pretty well-known group and person. So do you want to talk about that too, about how you got to meet maybe, maybe Boz and, and how you got, involved in some of the people that are around you right now. Yes. I, I feel super fortunate. I write in my journal frequently about, I I believe very much in gratitude. And I, I mean, I was just thinking that this morning, I'm so grateful for all of the people that I have around me that I've been exposed to. So that came about, I'm just, I'm lucky with where I live for one, because <laughs> he's here. So right. I'm always talking about, wow, I'm so grateful that he's here. And um, so I was in Krav Maga in a city about 15, 20 minutes away. And that was the first discipline that I did um, in my early thirties. And my boyfriend at the time, I was just getting a little antsy at that, at that studio for various reasons. And he said, well, you know, there's a there's an MMA gym, you know, even closer to where you live. It's Boz Rutten's gym. And I was like, who? And <laughs> he goes, oh my gosh, you don't know who Boz Rutten is? And I was like, no, who's that? <laughs> That's fine. He was a big, he had watched, at that time, Boz was filming every Friday night Inside MMA. So he would watch Inside MMA every night. And he's like, oh my gosh, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
one of the greatest fighters of all time. And so, so I'm like, okay, well, let's go try a class. So we went there, talked to the front desk guy and, and he's like, okay, well, Boz teaches on Tuesday and Thursday. You guys should try one of his classes. And I was like, okay. And we left and we came back, you know, whatever day. And it's so, it's so cool to think back on the story and then watch when, you know, usually it's, it's men, but sometimes it's women when they come into the gym and see Boz for the first time. So we show up on the day and Boz walks it walks in and my ex-boyfriend has this look on this, but you know, you know, that look when you're yeah, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, and he couldn't speak. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? And, and he goes, I didn't think he would really be here. I go, you think they would lie to us? <laughs> That's funny. And he's like, oh my gosh. And so we take his class and, and Boz to this day is like this. And, and when I tell people, I don't know that they believe me, Boz recognizes, he wants to know his students' names. So he recognizes when people are new. So he came over to us where, you know, we're working together and we're, so he, at the time, was a brown belt. He was high up there. And I was like an orange belt in crop. So I wasn't, I was so-so. I knew a little bit, but I wasn't by any means that great. But he knew what, we, what he was doing. And Boz is calling these combos. And we're, and we're like looking at each other like, what, what just happened? Where are we? <laughs> like, we thought we knew a little something. And, and then we're drilling and Boz comes over and he goes, you guys have done stuff before. What have you guys done? And I'm like, well, he is really good at Krav Maga. And Boz is like, okay, I want you guys here, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I think just, just proximity, um, you know, having him here and then, you know, fast forward. I just, once I went to the gym, I stayed there. We didn't even have personal trainers at the time back then. It was just a, just the mixed martial arts gym. And then we added Mm -hmm. personal trainers. I started working with one, got my certification. And when I was, when I had met with the physical therapist about life coaching, one of the things we, we powwowed on is, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I love self-defense. You know, I miss the self-defense aspect of when I used to be in Krav Maga. And he was like, why don't you ask Boz about creating a class there? And my response was, I can't do that. <laughs> and he's like, yes, you can. And I, I was so scared to ask Boz. And I think back on that a lot. And sometimes it just takes one person to believe in you and to, you know, put you up to the challenge of doing mm-hmm. something, but one person. And then if you commit, you know, to doing it, asking the question, I mean, I was heart racing. I was so scared to ask Boz uh, if I could create a women's self-defense class there. And Boz's re- reply was, of course you can. I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. So we Very work cool. things up in our head and it's often not like that in reality. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it, luck or not, it, fortunate for sure, right? And yes. So now you had this opportunity and, and obviously it's a very big passion for you. Can you talk about some of the statistics? Why was it such a passion for you to really start helping women in this realm? Yeah, obviously we know a little bit more about why you got into it personally, but why, was there something that besides, and we go to some of the statistics, but was there something specific that made you say, I need to help women on a greater scale on this? Good question. I don't even think, thinking back on it, I don't even think I was fully cognizant of my real deep why, of, of my why. I've worked on that a lot mm-hmm. in the past few years and, and even this year. But I just knew that the, the change it made for me when I started learning self-defense and I started strength training, you know, the two, I love working those two together because they, they very much, you know, if you're strength training and self-defense training, they're both going to help each other. Sure. Just how I walked around differently and I wanted to keep traveling and I didn't always have a travel partner. So I knew I wanted to do some traveling, you know, potentially by myself. And I didn't want to walk around feeling how I felt when we were in Johannesburg and they were like, you guys have to be careful. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't know how to do anything. Right. And fast forward to, I don't remember how many years later, probably a couple or a few years later, I was on a trip in Belize getting my advanced diving certification. And you know, you know, things just kind of hit you. I was walking home from dinner. I was by myself and it was dark. And I was just walking and I was like, wow, this is, 
interesting. I don't feel fearful. I'm more aware of my surroundings. I'm looking, you know, I'm looking at the man walking across the street. I'm, I'm paying attention. And, and so, you know, I'm alert, but I'm not, I'm not uh, paranoid or scared. Yeah. And, I, and yeah. just that, that feeling different is so, it's, it's just so empowering. And when I talk to women, you know, whether it be clients, you know, that have kids, you know, I, I remember one client who was very strong and, you know, and I thought, Oh, you know, the way she carried herself, I was like, Oh, she's confident. And she told me once, every time I walk to the car with my kids, I'm so worried that someone's going to jump out at me from around the car. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like, like it's, it, it, sometimes I, I forget. And so, and we live in a very safe area. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow, that's, that's really in your mind. And she's like, yes. And I'm like, wow. So it, it makes me sad. It makes, you know, I don't, I want to help women walk less fearfully in the world. I just, I just want to help them not feel as, you know, as scared walking around with their kids. And if someone's going to jump out at them in the bushes, that's another one that I hear a lot. I fear that there's a man hiding in the bushes and he's, he's going to jump out at me. Like, wow. Right. Yeah. And unfortunately these are valid fears when you look at some of the mm-hmm. stats, right? I mean, and yes. so to, to take one from you, the fact that what one in three college students, college, college female students are mm-hmm. assaulted. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a huge number. 33% is a huge, and, and to use your word, unacceptable. Yes. Number. The fact that it's yeah. happening in the first place is what's unacceptable. The fact right. that most women, especially at that age, are not yet ready to defend themselves is is unfortunate and needs to be remedied. But the the, unse- the unacceptable part is the fact that it's happening in the first place. Right. Well, we can't control that part. You had a couple other stats on that, didn't you? Yes. Uh, College age women, kind of, kind of a similar stat, are three times more likely than women of the general population to be sexually assaulted. So that that one's a little similar. And then I was actually just, I had, I had read this before, but I was reading a long, a long article that some, someone did a study, girls and women age, between the ages of 13 and 26 are most vulnerable. So that, that 13 year age, age range, 13 to 26 are most vulnerable to a sexual assault. And that's just, I'm like, I, like I read that and I was like, 13 sexual assault, like, man, that is, I mean, any age, but 13, you're still a child. Yes. Like that is, that's just, things like that are just heartbreaking. Yes. Yeah. It, terrifying. I, like I told you, mm-hmm. my, my stepdaughter is going to be 11. Yeah. You know, she is not too far removed from being in that, that age range. Yeah. So that, yeah. that is just a, And this, this study that I was reading, a friend of mine that used to be in the secret service, he actually forwarded it to me. It was discussing women that had a past history of sexual assault and how, how they, they would react, you know, compared to women that did not have a past history, how they would react, you know, talk, how they would view things and carry themselves. Is is it different between, you know, if they've had a past, you know, offense versus, versus not. So it was, it was, it was very long. It was, it was interest. It was very interesting. And just, uh, the fact that many girls and women won't stand up for themselves and don't, don't have the confidence to stand up for themselves. Other things that I've read when women, you know, have taken self-defense and they've interviewed, you know, given them a questionnaire afterwards, their, the confidence that it builds and also the body confidence that it builds just, you know, just training and doing, you know, doing some drills, learning, learning a few things, what it builds in them is, you know, in, in a high percentage is very, it's very encouraging. Uh, Yeah. Well, and you've talked about how self-defense is, is more about than just the actual act of protection. Like, obviously that's God forbid the, that, that event does happen. You want to be prepared, but are those some of the things you're talking about when you say that the, the confidence it gives you as, as a female, or I guess, you know, anyone, but especially with a clientele you work with as a female in the world, it, you know, what else, what else is it? Cause you're right. It's so much more than just the act of actual protecting yourself for right. if, and when that time comes. Right. 
Right. The the hope is, you know, the the real underlying goal is to never even have to use it in the first place. Is to be aware, is to carry yourself differently. So the whole vibe that you put off, when you're confident, you carry yourself differently. When you're exposed to how to be aware in the world around you versus, you know, being on this, <laughs> this device in our hands that's, that's yes. always with us, that the cell phone, when you're exposed to why it's important to be aware, how to carry yourself differently, just, just the fact that you feel more confident, you are going to be much likely, much less likely to be chosen as a victim in the first place. The, the goal is to, is to know self-defense, but to never, ever have to use it. Yeah. To never even get to that because you've, carried yourself differently you've you've you know you've let off that air that if if someone is looking for a random victim that you are going to put up a fight that being said the vast majority oh i i want to say it's like it's around 76 percent of sexual assaults are from someone that you know the term that this paper used yesterday was was acquaintance rape versus stranger rape so from someone that you know that that is going to be much more likely um, for a sexual assault to come from someone that you know however if you can start if you know us as women and girls can start recognizing because they're that usually the person that you know they're going to start feeling out so if you are firm in what you're saying and you're and you have that confidence to not worry about, you know, what they're going to think or to stand up for yourself and to speak for yourself, to use your voice, then you're going to be able to curtail that nip it in the bud. Another, another thing, 80%, I believe it's 80% of sexual assaults has, um, there's alcohol involved. So alcohol, alcohol is, is by far the most common drug involved. Interesting. There. Maxwell, why am I forgetting his name? But um, anyway, he had the in his book and he talked about statistics on rape. And that was that was the big statistic, especially for the college age female, mm-hmm. was, was the involvement of alcohol. But I want to go back something you just I'm so glad you brought something up because the the idea of how unaware, sometimes just how unaware people are anyway. And then nowadays, mm-hmm. people can't walk down the street without being on their phone. People can't walk down the street without entertainment. So their headphones are in. They're listening to a, a podcast, maybe this one. Um, yeah, ironically. Uh, but right, we live in this world where we where we need this constant dopamine fix. So we need constant entertainment and we constantly need something. So besides the fact that it's bad for a host of other reasons we could talk about, how unaware it makes us of our surroundings. So one of the obvious messages, we need to be more aware. But when you walk into a room, what are some things you teach your clientele to do the moment they enter into, well, a new environment or or a known environment, I guess? Mm-hmm. Um, know where your exits are. So obviously, where you where you walked in, that's that's where an exit is. Know where any other exits are. You know, if you can't f- figure that out, if you go into you know whatever a restaurant or whatever see where other exits are. And I also encourage people, you know, I'll be like, make it a game with the kids. Like, Hey kids, you know, (laughs) how many doors are there in this place? You know, try to make it a game, look around, survey the people. If, if you're walking in somewhere and you're immediately going, you know, to check, you know, whatever social media or something on your phone, you're, you know, you, you have no idea what's going on in the room. So look, look around, take note of, if anyone doesn't quite fit, um, you know, if, if someone is, I don't know, doing something funky, if someone is dressed inappropriately, you know, if it's 80 degrees out, and I know this, this is obvious maybe, but if someone has a trench coat on and it's 80 degrees out, right. but you know, what, what doesn't fit there? Track movement patterns in a room too, or say, say if you're in a crowd of people, although this may not be a thing right now in this climate, but if you're in right. a but if the crowd is is moving at a certain pace and going one way and then someone is coming against the crowd, you know, take note of it. Doesn't always mean they're doing something bad and, and doesn't mean we have to be overly paranoid. But take note of it. Look at where people's hands are, whether you know, what are their hands doing? Can you see, can you see their hands? Is someone, I don't know, is just is just something in a weird position or place. And 
if you feel we we all have gut feelings we all have intuition and may you know arguably you know we've all heard the term women's intuition so yes us as women have it but men have it too it's not limited to women only we all know if something doesn't feel right i read a story about one of the things i was researching husband and wife were on vacation i forget which country and some locals next to them were talking, you know, struck up conversation with them and they're talking, they're having a nice conversation. And then the locals offered them cookies. They were like, oh, you should try some of our local cookies. And the woman said in her head, she, she wanted to scream to her husband, no, 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 don't eat the cookie, but they didn't want to offend. So that, and that that's a common reasoning is that people think, oh, I don't want to offend the other person, mm-hmm. even if they feel something's off. So there, the cookies were drugged, but fortunately her husband was a big tall man. So he, you know, still had some capabilities, you know, to keep them safe, but yeah, her. So, and there's so many stories like that almost, you know, when they, when women are interviewed after they're attacked, so many women felt that something was off and something was wrong and they shouldn't have, you know, taken that route or, or whatever, shouldn't have gotten into that elevator or something and ignored it for whatever, whatever reason. So don't, don't ignore your gut. Our guts, our guts are smart. <laughs> yeah. I, this is all such great advice. And, and, and obviously you're, it's the difference between judging the people around you and just being aware mm-hmm. of, of your surroundings. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're not yeah. saying, we're not saying that every, every, you know, we should be judging whatever. Right. Yeah, for, for right. How, how do you regulate? Cause as I'm thinking about this, you know, I'm thinking about my wife, my daughter, mm-hmm. how do you regulate people becoming more aware without them becoming somewhat paranoid where now all of a sudden everywhere they go, they're almost hyper aware where where they're maybe creating false scenarios in their head. Is Mm -hmm. there a way you regulate that? That's That's a good question. That's interesting food for thought. I think one of the best ways is kind of how you said, how you were talking about how we always have to be entertained. Something always has to be, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's TV, social media, this or that, you know what I, my best advice on that would be having some quiet time and get to know, spend some time with yourself, spend some time on breathing, meditating, being, being quiet in nature, because I really think that once we can tap more into feeling our, our body and how our body reacts, then that's, you know, that, that would be the best answer for me. I mean, cause we, you know, We've all seen people out in public and I, you know, I have some great friends who you might look at these guys from the outside, you know, this, this one man that I go and I'll train Krav Maga with um, every once in a while, because I want to, I want to pick his brain again. And he's this tattooed up, you know, you, yeah. if you look at him and, and we joke, I joke about this with him, you know, to his face, you look at him and you'd be like, Oh, and he's the, He's the best, you know, nicest guy. So if I were to judge that book by its cover, I'd be like, oh, he's sketchy. And no, it's so feeling, you know, just that feeling, trying to be quiet, trying to read your own body, getting to know your own body. And it's going to translate with everything else too. exercise, food, you can know if something agrees with you or not. I think just not having this constant, like you said, stimulus of stuff and just getting back into feeling your own body. I I think that would be a good way. So you're looking around, you're aware, but you're like, okay, I, I don't detect any, you know, any, any, any ill intention or anything, you know, here with this person, I don't detect anything that feels weird or off. So, you know, so I can go about. Yeah. No, I, I really like where you went with that answer about sometimes just make, making sure we're very aware about who we are as people, because that helps us to, to know the difference between whether we are judging versus being aware of a, uh, of an environment. And you, you probably answered some of this already earlier, where once you become confident in yourself that you can handle certain situations, I'm assuming that that kind of takes care of itself, right? Like, like you walking alone from that restaurant that one night, like instead, like you said, you didn't, you weren't paranoid that someone was going to jump out yeah, you were aware that that's always a possibility, but this mm-hmm. time you felt like I'm equipped to work. Mm-hmm. If it did happen, I'm aware. So I'm going to try to stay ahead of it with my eyes and with my brain. Mm-hmm. But if it did happen, I do have this backup. If I do have the physical training 
to handle myself if that scenario came in. So I guess your own self-confidence does probably help to regulate that, that bridge between paranoia and awareness. Right. I agree. And, and also be smart about things. You know, I needed to have dinner. I needed to, I needed to get back to my place and I was by myself. You know, would I, you know, am I, am I doing things like, Oh, you know what? I have some training. Let me go walk in Compton at 2 a.m. and see what happened. No. Right. <laughs> no, right. of course not. Yeah. So you're also not, you know, being smart about things. I'm not, you know, you're not purposely putting yourself in sketchy situations because no, like, uh, and it's funny. I've, I've actually joked with Boz about this. He's like, have you ever kind of wished something would happen? And, and, I, and of course, you know, jokingly no. back, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, Boz. Yeah. And then I'm like, no, yeah, no, no. Um, no. for real. No, I don't want it. I don't want it because if heaven forbid something were to happen, it's not going to be pretty. It's, it's not like, it's not how training looks, you know, and I've, I've read enough stories about that. And from, a, you know, people that have been doing this a lot longer than me, um, Tony Blower is one that I follow who, who has great content out there. You know, it's, he's like, what, you know, if you get attacked, it doesn't come down to, to perfect, beautiful training. It comes down to gross motor skills and it's, it's messy. You know, if you have to defend yourself, you're going to be hurt. It's, you're not going to walk away unscathed and have this great, you know, social media story to tell someone. So yeah. no, I hundred percent don't really want anything to happen and to be, <laughs> to be yeah. tested. Well, that, uh, that, that's, a, that's really, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Learning the tactics is one thing. Practicing them has to be a whole nother because like you just said it, yes, you want to, but if I watch one of your videos, as great as the videos are, that doesn't mean that if someone comes in and, and grabs my shirt, I can instinctually just do the right thing. Right. right? I, that doesn't mean that in the moment, it just like anything else, just like swinging a golf club. I, I, I probably have to practice these techniques over and over and over and over and over and put myself in a position where when it does happen, it has become somewhat second nature. Mm-hmm. And, and do you see that, you know, how you know, are, are people coming in and they, are they training with you continuously? So I know you knew these web, you know, these seminars, people come one time. Do you encourage mm-hmm. continued practice of these tactics? For sure. Yes, for sure. And I get both, you know, I get some that come regularly. You know, of course I've had some that have come once and, you know, maybe for scheduling reasons or whatever reason I've had some people travel. I've been fortunate to have some people travel from a few hours away to, to this couple brought, brought their kids. Um, last November, a woman came from Canada to visit our gym. That was part of our streaming when Boz and I streamed for eight weeks at the beginning of the, of the pandemic she came and it was really fun for her. She visited the gym at Boz, um, et cetera. Yeah. So yes, there's some, there's some of both. You definitely, in my opinion, it's ideal if you can train it over and over. doesn't have to be with me. You know, it can be anywhere. There are lots of great studios out there. I did just release a first very intro digital product where... I talk about just, you know, just feeling the movements, you know, out in, in the air, you know, so your shadow, shadow striking, but also discuss mindset, working on the mindset, in my opinion, should be a continual thing too. We have just like with everything else, just like with mindset for everything else, we have to remind ourselves, Yeah. reminding, reminding yourself that, you know, that you are worthy, reminding yourself that you will not be a victim because there's going to be, there's going to be good days. There's going to be days where you feel like you can you know, you can, you're, you're awesome and you're confident and then, and then something might happen in your self-confidence dips. You know, we mm-hmm. all, we all have it. So working on the mindset all the time too, working on the tactics as much as you can would be great. And then exposing yourself to different types of training. You know, I reach out to different types of people. I, I want, I want to expose myself to as many different angles as possible. So while I teach Krav Maga based seminars um, out of Boz's gym. I also am asking and I'm researching and learning from different people. I want I want different different input, different views, different ways to see things from you know from people that have been doing this you know for a lot longer than I have. And a lot of them are men. There's a awesome woman that I've known since I was first in Krav Maga. I've looked up to her. Renee, her name is Lioness Tactics. She's really, really good. She's a, you know, I, I 
very much look up to her and train with her too when I can. So just getting, you know, and I take as much as I can. I borrow as much as I can and, and use that and give credit where credit's due. But the, you know, the more different ways to learn about something, you know, the better. And then that being said, you know, for, for people, you know, students and clients take what resonates with you. And if something doesn't resonate with you and doesn't work in your hands, then, then leave it and find something else. Yeah. It's just, just like with lots of other things, just like with your own, you know, nutrition, for example, take what works in your body and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Well, and if I compare it to, obviously this is much more serious than sports, but just as, just to, you know, as a strength coach, my first analogy is I'll go to sport. Yeah. There's a reason we, you know, take football right? just as a, as an example, there's a reason you practice the same plays over and over and over and over mm-hmm. against real people and mm-hmm. against different people. And again, like there, there's a reason that you do that because in the end, in any game, you're going to encounter the same play, but with different people, which changes everything. Yeah. So, so I love that. The fact that you one practice two practice with, with people and then three practice with different things because mm-hmm. a different scenario might warrant a different tool or a different way you approach something. Mm-hmm. And again, obviously this is a self-defense is a much more important life tool than, than the sport analogy is, but, but the approach to getting good at each of those is probably the same, right? Yeah. It's, it's I mean, everything I think, you just said. Yeah. I mean, sports or sports are hugely important. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't want to compare it to the, you know, the life or death situation that could be a self-defense scenario, but yeah, but, but still, I mean, you know, sports I, I love the crossover in sports you know because mma you know i love that too i'm very passionate about that too but if i'm teaching a client mma or if i'm teaching them self-defense my approach while there is certain crossover the approach is very different you know yeah. I, I i start out mma is a sport with rules if you have to use self-defense all the rules are thrown out the window there are things that are illegal in MMA, groin strikes, back of the head, et cetera, that you would be going, you know, eyes that you would be going for in a self-defense yeah. scenario. Okay. You want, you need those soft targets where, so, but, but it's also awesome that, you know, that myself and some of my clients, we're, we're taking MMA multiple times a week because it, to, to keep practicing that straight punch, you know, is going to translate over into the palm strike or the hammer fist and the roundhouse kicks while we might be aiming, you know, more across the knee than, you know, than above the knee. Yeah. It's still doing those motions, you know, helps, but, but the mindset behind it all, when we're doing MMA, we're taking care of our partner. When, when we're training self-defense, we're still taking care of our partner because we're training. We're not really doing it, but with the mind behind, if I really had to do this, we would not be taking care of the person that just tried to attack us. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could we get into, could we get into some specific scenarios? You, you and, and everyone listening should definitely go see, see Dana's social media because some of these are on there, but could you talk us through a few specific scenarios that you would teach? So maybe you know, three very specific self-defense tactics or, or whatever it might be. Sure. You know, some of them, you know, obviously are a little bit easier if, you know, to see them, right. but a couple of things that I, I did some training relatively recently with a good friend who used to be in the secret service. And now he does high profile individual security for, for individuals. And when I met up with him, you know, I, I was like, can I, you know, can I meet up with you when you're, he, when he was in California and can I train with you? And, you know, I'm thinking, I met up with him and I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get some cool, like, moves. And and he's like, okay. He's like, you do a lot of the physical stuff already. He's like, I want to go through with you in this first day, how to not even end up with a physical altercation. And it's interesting because here's, here's my first thought. And I didn't say this out loud. Oh man, oh. I wanted to get some good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guess. All right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and at the end of our, I don't know, I think we were with, I think we spent three hours together. It went by like that. 
I was just, I was so, I was just as pumped up at the end of that. Cause I get, I get really like excited about this stuff. I was just at pumped up and I, and I was at the gym that evening and I'm telling one of my main helpers at the gym and she's, 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 she's so awesome. She's, she's gonna, she's gonna surpass me for sure. She's 21 years old and she's just this ex ballerina, like total, <laughs> total amazing athlete and so good at everything she does. I'm like, Sophie, you, and I'm just like, yeah. you told me this. And I like, couldn't stop talking. So yeah. it was such good information. So some of the things that we talked about, oh, whether I want to pick. Okay. If you're, so going back to the, the fact that people, that a lot of women might be afraid that someone's going to jump out of the bushes at them or, you know, jump around the side of their car at them. If you do wide sweeps around a blind corner, this could be a corner of a building. It could be the bush instead of hugging the building or the bush. If you, if you have to turn around it, mm-hmm. if you remove yourself from, you know, from hugging the corner and coming around that corner widely. So I think, I think we can all envision yeah. what that that's like. So if you're wide around that corner, if someone did happen to be there, you've bought yourself a little bit of time granted, cool you know, not a lot of time, you know, you don't have five minutes to react to this person, but you've at least bought yourself a split second so that you're not turning the corner or the bush and they're right there upon you. So if you, if you can remove yourself and do a wide sweep around that corner, you at least have a second or two, which may not sound like a lot, but it will still give you time to form some sort of reaction Remember to, to use your voice, you know, if you do have to come to any sort of, sort of altercation, be loud while you're doing that and, um, stop, you know, stop, stay away from me, stop attacking me, make sure also that any onlookers, it it can be made aware that you, that you are, even if, even if, as you're defending yourself, that you you are the the person that that is being attacked (laughs) because if someone, you know, pulls out their phone and starts videotaping you and and you're skilled and you're throwing a nice, you know, palm strike to this person or something, it, it it could be misconstrued and make you look like the, the attacker. So stop, get away from me. Stop attack, stop attacking me. I don't want to fight. Use, use the words like such as that and a loud voice. Be sure, be sure to use your voice. A lot of the time, just speaking out and and yelling can be discouraging to someone that is that is coming towards you to attack it it'll it can make them think twice so using your voice wide sweeps and with with the car if you're going towards your vehicle check you know we're going to be going to the driver's side it does it only takes a couple seconds to walk around the passenger side and look, just, just take a look because someone could be hiding on the passenger side or, you know, you know, you, if they hide alongside the wheel where you couldn't see them, if you say where to look underneath or something, just, just take a few seconds, especially before unlocking your door, look around the passenger side, walk around there look around, make sure that, that your vehicle is clear of anyone there. Only unlock your driver's side door. If you don't have to, don't don't unlock all the doors so that you would not be giving them access if they were on the far side of the car to to yeah. get in. Huh. And then as soon as you get in the car, lock your lock your doors so that also if someone were, you know, a ways off and you didn't see them, they cannot run up and unlock unlock the door. So those those were a, a couple things that that he said he he fed me a lot of good information. <laughs> but yeah. those were those were a couple, a couple good things that, that I really liked. And did in that video, did you say back into the spot as well? Yes. Yes. And I've been, I've been getting better about doing that. I, I never thought of myself as a good backer in her. There we go. Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so it's yes, backing in the spot in case you have to exit quickly, okay. then yeah. And that could be for, you know, for a number of other things too, you know, at, at my house, I back in now in my driveway, you know, fire, you know, any, anything like that. If, if, 
if you're backed into somewhere, obviously it's much easier to exit if the front of your car is pointed towards where you want to, where you want to go. Sure. Could you, only because you've, you've said the term so many times, could you, um, obviously again, it's be great with the video describe a palm strike. Yeah. Palm strikes are great. Knowing how to do a proper straight punch is fantastic, but in a real world scenario, we could, we could break our hands. A palm strike is one of the main strikes that, that I learned in Krav Maga. And you have much less likelihood of breaking your hand with a palm strike. So what you're doing with a palm strike is you're kind of, you're bending your wrist backwards. Fingers can be, can end up kind of slightly, slightly curled, you know, or straight. Don't, you don't have to worry too much about where the fingers are held. But if you're bending your palm, bending your wrist backwards and you're striking with like, if you look at your hand, if you look at the, at the bottom portion of your palm, that, that is where you would be striking on the soft spot of, of someone that is attacking you. A soft spot example would be a nose, a chin, a jaw, whether it be from the side or front on a nose. Temple could be a soft spot as well. The top of the head where, where we you know, the, our forehead, <laughs> this, this is the opposite of a soft spot. <laughs> we never yeah. want to punch or strike here. This is the hardest part of our head where that houses our lovely brain. So that, that you never, you never want to aim for the top of the head, but delivering that palm strike. If someone were attacking you to the nose, chin, side of the jaw, temple, that could be a very effective strike when you're striking you want to use your whole body and rotation, not simply the arm or the hand. Using that whole body and rotation will give you a lot more power, especially against a soft spot to help. And you just and if you had, did ever have to use force, we're not here to go, you know, two, three minutes <laughs> in the round with this guy. It's delivering a couple strikes getting yourself and then getting yourself out of that situation as much as, as quickly as possible. Sure. It's interesting. I, a very minimal time in boxing, though I did actually maybe a new fun fact for this audience. Uh, I actually was a Brown belt in karate oh, up nice. until about freshman year of high school. And then, cool. and I wish I would have stayed with it, but I never did. Mm-hmm. So I, I take no, I have no formal training by that, but in my minimal time in boxing, you know, it's everything that you teach in any professional form of self-defense is very much. So aiming for the middle of the body, um, mm-hmm. f- football mm-hmm. is the same thing too, right? If you want to gain leverage mm-hmm. on somebody, you aim for the middle of the body. It's, it's the mm-hmm. weakest it's where you control them the most, but if you watch any amateur fighting video, it's amazing that people, their instincts go the opposite. People have these wide swings mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I see it, whether it's a, a female self-defense or two idiot guys leaving a bar, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. It, and, and it's so interesting because there's, you'd almost think there'd be more of an animalistic instinct to attack what we know is weak on ourselves on the other person. But instead people don't, they go very wide and flailing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if you if you've noticed that, or also if that's something that you as a professional teach people to leverage against. That that because people do that, you tend maybe they tend to leave their middle open, or you know I don't know. And I, again, what's the pro? What's the professional opinion on on that? Well, I don't know that I would call myself professional professional, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like boss. I would. Boss yeah. is the real professional, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Interesting when I do talk about generally more with MMA, you know, with MMA clients, um, that those big haymakers, when the haymakers yeah. come around yeah, and, you know, because we're doing a lot of straight punches and hooks and stuff. I'm like, if, if someone, the, the reasoning for when you're throwing a punch, keeping your elbow down as long as possible is if you're throwing a haymaker and if you have any sort of, you know, boxing or MMA training, you'll see that coming from a mile away. And it's so easy to get in on that haymaker and just come right down the middle and get, and give us, give a straight punch to the jaw. They're just, they're so telegraphed. And I think that that probably goes back to when Tony Blower talks about how gross motor skills are, are what come out 
you know, in a real life fight. I yeah. think that that sort of wild flailing yeah. is the gross motor skill that that comes out if people, you know, if people are what whatever, whether it be, you know, drunk person or, you know, whatever. Um yeah. in the bar fight or whatever, it's gonna be those those kind of I maybe maybe they feel like that's gonna be a harder strike. Like that that's where their power is coming from is is that wild flailing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And that was my assumption that people are searching for power. They're searching. So yes. they're, so yes. they're getting it in the only way they, they know how to, which is not efficiently. It's the opposite. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, it is. It is interesting. Yeah. Dana. Fascinating. This has been awesome. Before we start wrapping up where, where can people find you and, and what's next for you? So thank you for asking that. I'm <laughs> like, I have, so many, so many things I want to do. Yeah. Um, so I'm on Instagram. I'm at empowered by Dana Facebook page, empowered by Dana website, which I'm still in the process of updating is www.empoweredbydana.com. And I just created my first digital product, which is intro self-defense for all sizes and shapes is what it's called. It's a, it's an intro self-defense product where I discuss mindset in the first module. And then I discuss five basic strikes in the second module. And then the third module, I discuss putting it all together. I have a link on my Instagram and on my website for that. It's up on, it's hosted on mastermind.com and that's for sale for $77. If anyone, I would love any feedback. I always love feedback anyone does purchase that, I would, I would love you to email me any feedback, suggestions, questions. Um, I want people to utilize me and be, you know, be able to ask, ask questions and, and give me feedback. Let me know what they want more of. I definitely want to keep building on those and add, add in more things since they are virtual. I have to, you know, I have to do what I can, you know, assuming people don't have a tombstone pad to hit. Um, and hoping that in future modules, people will at least have a partner to train safely with, you know, for things like, yeah. like bear hugs, um, choke defenses, that sort of thing definitely would be more ideal with a partner. So I want to keep doing that. And I want to hold, I want to hold more seminars, seminars out yeah. on location. I also envision hosting empowerment retreats that I do want to center around some of the passions that I love. Someday I want to hold empowerment retreats along with safari, maybe along with diving and for sure along with snowboarding, <laughs> along with oh. snow trips <laughs> and have ladies come on groups with that groups with me doing that. And just, you know, the, just uh, encompass a whole healthy lifestyle where I also talk about nutrition and we do things like meditate together. I, I have, I have visions for that. I do want to encompass more traveling and volunteering more time with wildlife in my life. I've done that before. I have volunteered at a cheetah center in South Africa and the wildlife center in Ecuador. Cool. Definitely want to do more of that. And I, and I do envision also, you know, incorporating, you know, along with, with trips like that incorporate, you know, holding a self-defense seminar. I just, I want, I want women to walk around less fearfully in the world. I want them to know that they do have the capability to protect themselves because they do. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if, you know, if it's someone that outweighs you, that is taller than you, that every single body has soft spots on it and it's, it's leveraging how to use it. But even before that, it's walking around confidently and it's, it's not becoming a victim in the first place, making yourself much less likely to become a victim in the first place. Amazing. I, I love it. I'm going to uh, definitely let, send me whatever you have so I can share it in terms of the, the home videos. Okay. I'm going to talk to my wife about that right away when I get home. Okay. First thing, because that'd be great for, for me, her and my daughter to all, to all do mm -hmm. together. Yeah. But, and um, yes. And that's, that, that brings me to a good point. Yeah. yeah. I, I would love it if people would, you know, if they purchase it, I, it's not just for you. It's for the whole family. Bring your friends over. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it, I want every, every, every person to share everything that they learn because that that's how we can create a domino effect and 
and improve this world, to be honest. So, so yeah, invite, invite the whole neighborhood over and <laughs> buy it once and invite the whole neighborhood over. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, all the people can do that. I'm going to make them buy their own because you deserve it. <laughs> but Dana, thank you. You have, you've been very humble about everywhere you've learned from today, but but by getting to know you and getting to see your videos, you are, you're truly a professional with that stuff. And I love what you're doing and I'm looking forward to seeing how it grows. So. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for being on. Um, I'm sure it'll be the, the first of many conversations with us. So thank um, you. yeah, you hang on for a second for all listeners, go to the show notes to check out all the links to Dana's sites and If you have any questions, of course, please reach out to me or to Dana herself. And thank you. And we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast. Find more episodes like this at www.lifestyleasmedicinepodcast.com and visit www.marhealthandperformance.com and at marhealthandperformance on both Facebook and Instagram for more great content and information about programs. Have a great day and see you next time.